Welcome to the Melbourne Business School podcast, where we answer the biggest questions in business today and explore the latest research. I'm your host, Yasmin Rupersinger. Dashani Ganagoda is an Associate Professor of Management at Melbourne Business School, whose latest research looks at abusive supervisors in the workplace, the psychological effects abuse has on the victimised employees, and the role of the senior manager in these situations. Professor Ganagoda found why senior managers have a better idea of what constitutes abuse, the different types of abusive supervision, and why middle managers might not see it. Abusive supervision raises roadblocks for all involved, and Professor Ganagoda is here to tell us all about it. Hi Dashani, thanks for joining me today. Hi Yasmin, it's a pleasure to be here. I'd like to start by asking you, what is abusive supervision? Is there one particular type and can you share some examples of abusive supervision? Absolutely. Abusive supervision is the sustained display of hostile verbal and nonverbal behaviour towards subordinates. This doesn't include physical hostility. Now abuse can be active as well as passive. Some examples of active abusive supervision include ridiculing subordinates, telling them that their thoughts and feelings are stupid, actively lying and putting them down in front of others. Mm. Passive forms of abuse include not giving subordinates credit they deserve, not letting them interact with others and being overly controlling. Right. Well, thanks Dashani for that definition. So what was your research about? Well, most abusive supervision research has focused on the supervisor subordinate dyad. In our research, we wanted to move beyond that dyad because these dyads don't exist in a vacuum. They are a part of a larger network in an organisation. So we wanted to consider what role the abusive supervisors managers play in this dynamic. We thought supervisors managers are an important group of stakeholders to look at because they have the power to control abusive supervisors. So if someone were to stop abusive supervision from happening, it probably is going to be the supervisor's manager. Mm. However, we didn't know to what extent supervisors' managers actually see abusive supervision. And if they see it, we didn't know whether those managers interpret abusive behaviour the same way that subordinates interpret them. Right. So one purpose of this research was to find out to what extent Senior managers' observations of middle managers' abusive behaviour correspond with middle managers' subordinates' perceptions of abusive supervision. The second purpose of the research was to find out how abusive supervision impacts the abusive supervisor. In order to examine this, we looked at how abusive supervision rated by subordinates versus managers predict managers' evaluations of supervisor performance. We conducted two large-scale multi-source surveys to answer these questions. We collected data from hierarchical triads that incorporated a senior manager, a middle manager and a subordinate. Mm. Okay, so what did you find in your research? What we found was interesting. We found that senior managers rated middle managers as more abusive than subordinates did. We also found that there is a disconnect between subordinates' perceptions and senior managers' observations of abuse. That is, subordinates and senior managers didn't necessarily see the same behaviour or interpret the same behaviour of middle managers as abusive. This particular finding offers us some insights as to 
Why abusive supervision, as seen by subordinates, may not be addressed by senior managers. Now, in terms of outcomes for the abusive supervisors, we found that senior managers give more negative performance evaluations to middle managers who they perceive as abusive towards subordinates. We also found that senior managers negatively rated the work group performance of middle managers who were perceived as abusive by subordinates. This is really interesting though, because we didn't find a relationship between senior managers' own assessments of middle manager abuse and their evaluations of work group performance. So this tells us that although senior managers see some of the abuse and the outcome of abuse in terms of low work group performance, they don't see that one causes the other. So this is a managerial blind spot we discovered in this research. So why would senior managers notice abuse more so than subordinates? Well, that's a really good question because you'd think that the recipients of abuse would be in a better position to see it, right? Yeah. However, subordinates can sometimes justify and normalize bad behavior of their managers. For example, when your whole team gets treated badly, you might think that that's just how things are done around here. You don't consider it as an anomaly. In fact, subordinates might even justify abusive supervision as tough love or think that that's just how my manager motivates people. In contrast, senior managers are above the abusive supervisor. They have the vantage point to see the behavior of many middle-level managers. So they see the difference between abusive supervisors and non-abusive supervisors. And there are plenty of good managers out there. So they can understand that abusive behavior is not normal behavior and it shouldn't happen. Plus, senior managers don't expect domineering behavior from managers who are below them. So when they see it, they recognize it more readily. So it sounds like a matter of perspective, doesn't it? Absolutely. Just based on the level of the hierarchy, people see and interpret things differently. So a person in a more powerful position see the negative behavior in a different light because they don't expect that behavior. But people who are below the managers somewhat expected, they justify it, they normalize it because these people are above them. Mm. Therefore, they tend to tolerate it a bit more. So then what ramifications does abusive supervision have on the employee and the organization? Yeah, so abusive supervision has many negative effects on employees and organizations, as you may imagine. Yeah. First, for the employee, it's a major source of stress. We know from research that it negatively impacts their self-esteem, well-being, health, as well as their performance at work. And none of this is surprising. Abusive supervision also motivates subordinates to engage in bad behavior themselves out of frustration. Beyond the victim of abuse, it also impacts coworkers um, who may be in a position to witness abuse and the victim's family. So there are societal impact of uh, abusive supervision as well. Abusive supervision costs organizations in many ways as well. Um, it lowers employee performance and hampers creativity and innovation. It increases absenteeism, turnover, and employee withdrawal. 
So overall, it decreases productivity of organisations. Mm. So then what can senior leaders do to watch out for abusive supervision? Yeah, and that's the million dollar question. Um, senior managers are in a unique position to observe abusive behaviour of supervisors. And it is important that they call it out when they see it. However, it is also important for senior managers to know that you can't have a complete understanding of how effective your middle managers are without knowing what their subordinates think of them. So it is important for senior managers to speak to employees at lower levels and seek out their opinions on a regular basis and in a safe environment. So then what can be done to stop it from occurring in the first place? Yeah, so organisations can ensure that there is a cost for supervisors who behave abusively towards their subordinates. This could be a tangible cost, such as negative ratings on a performance evaluation. In order to do this, we need to use appraisal systems such as 360-degree appraisals to seek input from subordinates when evaluating managers. In addition to that, we can impose social costs on abusive supervisors by developing a strong organisational culture that denounces workplace abuse. So anyone who contradicts norms of civility will feel out of place in that organisation and be motivated to change their negative behaviour. That is interesting that an organisation's culture can influence supervisors to behave abusively. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. One thing we examined in our research is the extent to which an organisation's culture normalises abuse. There are some organisations with aggressive cultures. So these are organisations where it's quite normal for people to engage in interpersonal aggression. Um, fights are common and there's not a lot of trust between people. In these organisations, we found that managers don't give abusive supervisors poor performance evaluations. So there's really no cost for these supervisors mm. when they behave abusively towards um, their subordinates. This is because abusive behaviour in those organisations is the norm. So supervisors don't get punished for their behaviours and everyone accepts that as just normal day-to-day behaviour. In organisations that have more healthy cultures, we found that abusive supervisors do get punished. They get poor performance evaluations from their managers, as I previously mentioned. So supervisors with abusive tendencies are held accountable for their actions in these organisations. So this is why it's important for senior leadership to develop a strong workplace culture that discourages abuse. That in that way, we can keep abusive supervisors in check. And even if people have those aggressive tendencies, they don't act it out in the workplace because they understand that there are real costs if they behave in that way. Now, how can organisations develop a strong culture that discourages workplace abuse? That's a really good question because an organisation's culture uh, dictates which behaviours are expected, supported and rewarded in an organisation. So, in effect, it's a behavioural control system. So how can leaders set expectations for respectful behaviour in a workplace? Mm. 
They can detail the values they wish to see in an organization's statement of values or guiding principles. And you can make it really explicit in terms of what type of behaviors are allowed and what types of behaviors are inappropriate. They can communicate those values in formal meetings and other internal documents. They can also incorporate those values into performance metrics and reward employees who demonstrate those values. We find that junior managers often look up to senior managers to learn appropriate behavior in the workplace. They think that if they emulate the senior leadership, they will also be rewarded with senior positions. And that makes sense. Because of this, senior managers' behaviors have a big impact on an organization's culture. So if senior managers can role model respectful leadership, those behaviors will ultimately trickle down the organizational hierarchy. Dashani, based on your research, what advice can you give victims of abusive supervisors? When you're a victim of workplace abuse, it's typical to feel isolated and helpless. What our research suggests is that abusive supervision to some extent is seen by senior managers. And when they see it, they take steps to punish those who abuse. So this should give victims some degree of confidence to reach out to those people who are in a position to help. The other point I'd like to highlight is that it is useful to give honest feedback about your supervisor if you have an opportunity to do so. I understand that employees in some organizations may not feel safe to voice their concerns about their own supervisors, and that's completely understandable. It is up to the organization to create that psychological safety. But if there is a safe space to raise concerns, I encourage people to use their voices, however hard that may be, because that's how you initiate change. What we find in our research is when you do raise your voice and say these concerns to senior managers, they do listen and they take action if they have the opportunity through performance evaluations as well as other mechanisms to punish those who abuse their subordinates. That's really interesting to hear that your research has proven that even if you're feeling victimised and you don't feel like you can articulate what the problems are to a senior manager, at least indicating to them in some way can have an impact. Absolutely. And it's also not just the senior managers. Because another group of uh, people in an organisation that victims of abuse can turn to are your own work colleagues. Although we didn't test this in our own research, what we know from abusive supervision literature is that co-workers can be a great source of support when you don't have that clear outlet um, in terms of raising concerns with senior leadership. Co-workers, even if they can't call it out and uh, challenge their supervisors because they're also below the abusive supervisors, they can still be a source of support by helping the victims of abuse, telling them that they're not as bad and awful as their supervisors make them to be. Uh, they can also encourage these people because chances are they're going to be so burnt out and stressed at work. Mm. Encourage those people to keep up their work performance, but also to have the courage to report this behavior 
to appropriate people in an organization. So for example, a lot of organizations have an ethics line or there's a system in the human resource um, aspect where you can call out these behaviors and you can um, let the HR uh, management know that these are behaviors that are happening in an organization that are not healthy and harmful to you. So most good organizations have that. Um, so if, even if you're as a victim feel powerless to um, engage with those avenues mm -hmm. as co-workers, you can do that on their behalf. You can also encourage victims to speak out. So the team's always important, isn't it? Absolutely. And especially when you have a, a, a common enemy, who's that's generally what we see um, in organizations when it's an abusive supervisor. Um, some people sometimes get singled out for abuse more than others. But because these are uh, personality traits of aggression that we find in people, in most cases, they tend to just be abusive towards the entire work team. Right. So in that instance, it's a good idea to lean on each other and support each other through to initiate change and also get the help from um, senior leadership or HR. Really helpful tips there for our listeners. Thank you so much, Dashani, for sharing your research and insights with us. Terrific to have you on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Yasmin. Melbourne Business School is home to Australia's best MBA and business analytics degrees, as well as short courses for professionals and custom solutions for organisations. Our purpose is unleashing ideas and leaders for a sustainable future. Visit mbs.edu to find out more. Until next time.